Hi friends, my name is Morgan and this is We Round Up to 30. Hi friends and welcome back to We Round Up to 30. On this episode we're going to be talking about ADHD and women and how a lot of times not only with ADHD but with a lot of things um, we're often discounted when talking to doctors about what we're experiencing and things like that um, and a little bit with my struggles and things like that so thanks for hanging out. ADHD in women a lot of times goes undiagnosed because the typical kind of signs and things to look for when diagnosing, pre-testing and things like that, um, are based on how males interact and uh, kind of symptoms, if for the lack of a better word, uh, that go along with it. So hyperactive, trouble focusing, things like that. Things that, as women, <laughs> a lot of times we are taught not to do. So we're essentially taught a form of masking with it. So it makes it a lot difficult, more difficult to diagnose that. In women, it can look like perfectionism and anxiety and things like that because of how it manifests based on how we've been kind of redirected and things like that. I know for me... That's definitely the case. I, from a young age, have kind of struggled and shown kind of signs of having some sort of attention issues. And when I was younger, I was the kid who bounced off the walls and talked a million miles a minute. And as I got older, I grew out of some of that, um, more accurately, it got funneled into different areas. So I would hyper fixate on things and I was both a perfectionist and a procrastinator and not knowing had a lot of anxiety, but I was able to manage it because I performed well in school. So people didn't necessarily pick up on it that I had anything kind of going on that I was neurodivergent because I was masking it really well. And a lot of that came from the structure that comes along with school. You're, you're in class, you have homework, you have deadlines. And so it made it easier to manage. Um, but after I graduated with my master's degree, I found I was struggling a lot with work. And even right before I graduated, once the pandemic started... I found that I was, I was having a hard time because there was a lot of gray and I've never operated well when things are gray. Um, but it, it made it very hard to kind of stay motivated and have that built in structure kind of fall away. I've noticed it more and more. My attention span swears, my memory is awful, um, my sleep is terrible, my anxiety has been crazy, and things like that. So about ooh, two-ish, 
two-ish years ago, I decided, okay, I think I want to talk to a doctor about this. Um, it was a light discussion when I was younger with my pediatrician, but that was in like the late 90s, early 2000s, and ADHD medication was scary, and not a lot of people know about it, so my parents opted for me not to go on it. Um, and like I said, I was managing really well, so it, it really wasn't that big of a deal. But now managing is a lot harder. So I talked, scheduled a doctor's appointment, went in, kind of had myself prepared. Of, this is what I was going to say. And I said, I have been doing some reading based on these things that I'm experiencing. Um, I've done a teledoc appointment with a therapist and they also agree and they recommended that I come to talk to you about starting the process. <laughs> the doctor looked at me and said, well, you're not bouncing sitting there talking to me, so I guess you have ADHD. I guess we can get this started for you. And it just felt so defeating and almost patronizing that I'm sitting here telling you my lived experience, the thing that I feel every day. And because I'm not sitting there bouncing like a stereotypical male with ADHD would, I couldn't possibly know what's wrong with my own body or my in this case I guess my brain and that's not an isolated issue that happens a lot with women I mean the fact that heart attacks go misdiagnosed a lot because our symptoms are not the stereotypical symptoms I saw a TikTok the other day that said when about 90% of the diagnostic tools are written based off of what a white male's body does. No wonder that we have so many issues with getting proper diagnosis because our bodies just don't operate the same. I mean, one person to another person's body doesn't operate exactly the same, but the physi the physiology is different. The the brain makeup, our hormone cycles are different. And so the fact that the diagnostic tools have not been updated can make it very frustrating to try and have these conversations. Because a lot of times we do a lot of work to get ourselves into that chair, into that office visit. Just to be told, well, I guess, is very patronizing. It, it's demeaning. And it's just downright rude at times. And I understand they went to school and they, they do know more than I do about medicine and about conditions. But no one's more of an expert on what I'm experiencing than myself. I am the one who is in it 24-7, 365. And that's the piece I think some doctors, not all, but some are missing the listening part because your experiences are unique to you. So if they're not going to listen to how you're experiencing things, you're not going to be able to get good diagnosis and people are going to continue to struggle. It is now, like I said, two years later and I'm in the exact same place I was after that conversation because insurance is a mess and when they sent the prescription 
they didn't send along the pre-authorization form. So my insurance denied the medication. And by the time the doctor's office finally sent the pre-authorization form, the prescription had expired because they only let those live for so many days. And I gave up because it just didn't feel... I didn't have enough brain space and mental capacity to fight that, which is counterintuitive. If I could be getting better care for my ADHD, I would have the mental space, the motivation, the whatever it needs to be to accomplish some of these tasks, like advocating for myself. But I can't do that if people aren't listening to me. And so I don't, I don't have a perfect answer other than continue to fight, continue to advocate for yourself and in the interim, build a system for managing it. What I currently am working on is rebuilding in that structure. So yes, there's some structure. I have work schedule eight to five, Monday through Friday, but a lot of my projects are either ongoing or have a, have a lot of autonomy in the day-to-day what that looks like, which is great for my professional development. It is not so great for how my brain operates. So one thing that I do is I kind of sit down on first day and kind of map out, okay, these are the things that I think needs to get done. And it's a little bit of a word dump in there. And then after I say, okay, here's what I would like to accomplish this week. I go in and build many due dates for things because that helps with the procrastination portion of my brain. If I have a date that something needs to get done by, I'll sometimes push it off, but it'll get done versus if it just is open-ended, it just sits on that back burner and I'll pick it up every now and then, especially if the task is not something that is super exciting or has a, a good ROI on input to output. Because one thing that my brain likes to do is hyperfixate on things. So the things that are my current hyperfixation, I have no problem prioritizing. They, they're fun. I can knock them out. I enjoy them. But those things that are a little less instant gratification or are a little more boring, uh, for lack of better terms, I struggle to start sometimes. And so by building in those, those benchmarks... I give myself <laughs> motivation via the timeline, the time crunch, the due date. Um, I've always been that way. It'd be, you'd have a week to write a paper and I'd start it two days before because I knew I could get it done in two days. Well, that doesn't always work <laughs> in adult life because a lot of times things don't have, some things have due dates, like your bills or events coming up, but there, there's a lot of life that is just, these are things that have to get done. And if you don't, for people who have issues, um, with executive dysfunction or anything else, um, those gray 
areas can be a struggling point. And so that's one area that I do. I'm also working to build in more things that do bring me joy or sparks of excitement. Um, like this podcast, <laughs> um, do you, to kind of like, okay, let me do the not so fun thing so I can get to the fun thing. Um, the, the dessert mindset of it, of do, do the, eat your vegetables, aka the not so fun task so you can get to your dessert, which is great. I still struggle, uh, because sometimes life happens and you will have worked until you don't have any more to give. Um, some people will talk about the spoons theory where some days several little tasks can be wrapped up into one spoon with an overarching title. Other days, every little piece that makes up that task is its own spoon. And some days I have more spoons than others. Some days things take less spoons and I'm just learning to manage it. Um, it's, it's a struggle. Like I said, I have no magic answer by any means, but trying is always the first step. Figuring out what does work, what doesn't, adjust, go from there. I'm also working on trying to do better with sleep. With that comes working on anxiety and things like that, but I've found a lot of my anxiety comes from feeling like I'm failing at things. So trying to re-establish what are my metrics for success um, is one way that I'm trying to work on fixing the anxiety so I can fix the sleep because if I have a better night's sleep, I will have more brain space to do things. It's a whole complicated issue. But one that is getting better and worse all at the same time. It's hard to explain. It's getting better because I know more. I'm more aware of it. It's getting worse because as I get older, I struggle more with this. Um, Having a lot of autonomy in this new job, I I do enjoy that. But like I said, it comes with a lot of gray, which makes it where some days I'm super productive and other days I'm like, what did I get done today? And on those days where I feel like I got nothing done are the days I come home and I struggle the most with things like cooking dinner or doing the laundry or things like that. On days that I felt like it was super productive, I come home with more energy and things like that. So... Um, setting better metrics, both personally and at work, where metrics maybe aren't clear is another thing that I'm working to do, doing better workload balance and things like that so I don't feel as stressed out or whatever. And so it's a struggle, I admit that. Uh, Funnily enough, 
about a third of my TikTok are things about ADHD that I'm learning more and more that, oh, I thought that was just a thing I did. I didn't realize that, uh, A, not everyone does it, and B, that that is because or is a common occurrence with people who have ADHD or other types of neurodivergent, um, spiciness in their brain. And it, it makes things feel less alone. Um, but also like, oh, at the same time, it's, it's a very weird dichotomy of both. I thought I was the only one, but also everyone doesn't do that. Like it confirms that I'm not alone. But in that confirmation, it also answers, but you're still different because not everyone does it. And that's one area that I've always kind of struggled with. Like, as people and as humans, we want to belong. We want to fit in to a certain degree. And I've always felt a little bit like I never quite exactly fit in. And as I'm getting older, I'm learning I don't care as much like obviously I don't want to stand out to the point that I am abrasive or have have no connections but I'm also learning I don't care if everyone cares for me um, because not everyone's gonna like you but it, it it feels nice having some camaraderie at least with strangers on the internet and so it's probably not going to be a shock to some of you who listen to this podcast being like, yeah, I clocked her as probably having some, some attention issues. Cause some of these episodes, very clear, very concise. Other ones, they're all over the place. And that's partially because my brain works a hundred miles an hour sometimes. And about 10 different tabs. Uh, I jokingly call them my squirrel thoughts. Someone else on TikTok called them commercial breaks. Um, because I will be in the middle of a conversation with someone and that click something in that back little tab of the computer that says, Hey, that made me think of something else. So then I have to say it out loud or I'll lose it. And then I will lose what the original conversation was. Or there are some days where people will be talking to me and I will sit there and I will stare at them for a few seconds and then have to say, I'm so sorry. I know you were talking to me. But I caught none of that because my brain either runs on the fastest internet that we've ever had or dial up on Internet Explorer. And it is the slowest it's ever been. And there's no in between. It, it is one or the other. And both are exhausting in and of itself. It's just kind of navigating which is less exhausting at the moment. Or what serves the purpose of the day. And so some of that results in, in great things. It creates connections to points that maybe others wouldn't have noticed and things like that. But it can also be exhausting because you're constantly coming up with something new and your brain never feels like it shuts off. Um, I learned recently, I don't remember exactly when I learned it, but it kind of like popped back up on my TikTok again that... Not everyone has a running 
monologue in their head, like when they're thinking. Some people don't hear like a voice. I am not one of those lucky people. There is constantly noise and static in my brain at all times. And one tool I've found for that is when I'm trying to focus and work on something, have something playing. Um, For years, it was always music. A couple years ago, I got into podcasts, and I still will do those from time to time. But that's a double-edged sword. It quiets the side chatter because it's listening to something. But when I'm really working on something, I'm not listening to the podcast. It's just kind of background noise. So recently I've started doing music again um, because it does. It it gives me enough where I can occasionally tune back in and and kind of sing along in my head. Um, Or I can just kind of tune it out and it's background noise instead of the running loop of background noise that is in my head. And so if YouTube are struggling with things like this trial and error it find what works for you once I learned that in college that really helped with homework and studying and it continues to help with working now that just having a little bit of music for me the same thing like I'd go and study on the group study floor because there was enough chatter to serve as background noise I would try to study on the quiet floor which everyone brags about Like, this is the floor you study on. Couldn't do it. I was aware of every little sound and every sound I was making and was hyper-focusing on, am I being too loud? Is this fine? Can people hear that I'm turning the pages? So I had to adapt. That That is the one thing I've learned the most. When you have any type of neurodivergency, adaption is your friend. And that's going to look different for every person and in every scenario and every setting. But find what combination works for you that has the adaption that you need. And whether that is medication or therapy or tools like listening to music. There is no shame in adjusting how you work and operate to be the most productive you because there is a lot of strengths that come with this but there are also some drawbacks so minimize your drawbacks so your strengths can shine through and you're going to be okay and forget about the well I guessers and focus on those people who are your champions and who are your teammates in life and we will show the rest of them why it was dumb of them to ever doubt us. Thanks for hanging out. Sorry if this one was a little discombobulated. Um, That's what it feels like in this brain sometimes. So you just came along for the ride for it on that one. Um, Next episode is titled Thanks Brene Brown. Um, We're going to be talking about shame and the the struggles and benefits that can come along with it. Um, If you're not aware, uh, there is a social scientist named Brene Brown who has done a ton of work in shame and vulnerability. And I learned about her about a year and a half ago. Um, And 
some of the stuff she said has really resonated with me. Obviously, I'm still working on a lot of it, but we're going to be talking about a little bit of that on the next episode, so come and hang out. Until then, thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great day. Bye-bye.